At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network It is our number two of the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got an absolutely amazing hour for you. First things first, big thanks to Jared Smith for joining me in hour number one. That was a great two-part conversation that we did wind up having with him, so that was a lot of fun, and just a fun time being able to take a look at the futures market, being able to take a look at some awards, and being able to take a look at walks props as well, so a little bit all over the place there, but here at number, number two, we're going to be joined by Anthony DeBundo. He does a great job over there at the Action Network. Take a look at the game of baseball. Also takes a look at some college sports as well. We're going to be taking a look at the diamond with him in about 15 or so minutes. And towards back half this hour, Ryan Kramer. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is going to be joining me as well. We are going to have a fun time talking with him about baseball and other happenings as no shortage of things happening off the field as well. So to dive into a little bit of NBA later on tonight as well. And always have to dive into what I've got with regards to my DK Nation pick in terms of Major League Baseball. We are 6-1 in my last seven, so we're going to be looking to keep it going here as we're going to be taking a look at a total for this one. 957-958 is where I'm going to be heading with my write-up for Wednesday. St. Louis Cardinals on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried is going to be on the bump for the Bravos. And we got Miles Michaelis who takes the bump for St. Louis. Total on this game across the board is 8 now. We're seeing a little bit of juice in some places on the under, really aside from circle, where I'm sitting right now. You're able to get the juice at even money. That's actually very appealing. And when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 180, seeing as high as a minus 187 out there as well. And for St. Louis, anywhere between about a plus 155 high watermark I'm seeing is a plus 169. And I like this total under I wound up setting up more around a 7.5 personally, so I think that this should be a full run lower personally because Miles Michaelis has been absolutely amazing at being able to keep the ball in the yard. And as a matter of fact, both of these pitchers have been absolutely amazing at being able to keep the ball in the yard this season. For Michaelis, opponents are in just a 2.11 off of him. A little bit more of a pitch-to-contact guy. He only gets right around about 7 or so strikeouts per 9 innings, but what he does a good job of is just giving up a right around 0.7-ish home runs per nine innings. So for Max Fried, it's even more impressive. A half a home run and 1.4 walks per nine innings. You take out of the fold the first two starts of the season, for some reason it feels like Max Fried. Just his first two starts of the season, sometimes three starts of the season, they just seem to be lackluster. And then after those first few starts, he just really locks in. That's exactly what we've seen out of him this season. And for Max Fried, on top of that, 
he is backed up by the best team in the big or in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. As the Atlanta Braves as a whole pulling up right around about a 3.23-ish bullpen ERA thus far this season. These guys have been rock solid. AJ Minter has been able to give you some good innings. Dylan Lee, guy that has been a little bit of an up and comer for the team, he's been able to post up a sub two ERA. So got a lot of guys have been able to do a great job out there in this bullpen. Now has taken a little bit of dip. With regards to length, with Spencer Strider no longer being out there in the fold, but you're not going to need a lot of length when it comes to Max Fried. He's been able to go six-plus innings in most of his starts thus far this season, and for Max Fried, he comes in on his best stretch of the season. Two runs or fewer given up in seven out of his last eight games, and Miles Michaelis also comes in on a good stretch. Two earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five games. There was a start in which he was hurt by a couple unearned runs, but by and large, he's been able to do a solid job, and he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen as well. Overall, the St. Louis Cardinals 13th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. If you take out the, shall we say, fun-loving innings that you've had from Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina this year, because, well, those are guys that are not going to be in pressure-packed spots, to say the least. Well, it's more like the 10th or 11th bullpen in terms of ERA. They have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Genesis Cabrera, but Ryan Helsley has been able to post up a sub-2 ERA. You've been able to get some good innings as well. Out of someone like a junior Fernandez who has yet to give up an earn run thus far this season. Now, both of these teams have been pretty rock solid in terms of that as Paul Goldschmidt right now finding himself as one of the top contenders for that National League MVP, hitting a 340, 19 home run, 65 RBI. He has been tremendous. And then you've got younger guys like a Juan Yepes, Brandon Donovan hitting above a 275 for the team. But other than Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, not necessarily a ton of power with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals team, and they're a team that they're coming in on a little bit of a funk. They have lost four out of their last five games, and they've scored three runs or fewer, and now five out of their last six games. Braves have been relatively consistent with their pitching as well. Among pitching staffs in the National League, they are number two in terms of home runs surrendered on a per-nine innings basis, and you do have a lineup of their own that has been very solid this season, as Ronald Cunha Jr., Michael Harris, the second along Dansby Swanson, all hitting at 285 or better. And for Dansby Swanson, this guy's having a really good year with a double-digit amount of homers. Has been great out there in the field as well. And then on top of that, guys like an Austin Riley. He's hitting at 270. He went deep for his 21st home run of the season on Tuesday as well. And though the Cardinals, they did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces. They only wound up getting three and two-thirds innings out of Andre Pallanti. They did wind up using up more of their, shall we say, less trustworthy long guys like a Packy Naughton. Zach Thompson typically comes in in longer stretches as well, so that should be able to help the team out. And for the Atlanta Braves, they got good news with Tyler Mazik coming off of the injured list. He wound up throwing his first inning in quite some time for the Atlanta Braves on Tuesday as well. So it's a Atlanta Braves bullpen that is re-bolstered. It is very, very solid in my opinion. So I do think that we're going to have a relatively solid pitching performance in this one. And I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals are being a little bit undervalued in this spot as well. Do I think that they should be an underdog here? Absolutely. It's a Cardinals team that they've been scuffling a little bit, but whenever they've had Miles Michaelis on the mound, they've been able to do a relatively solid job as very nearly wound up having that no-hitter a few weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. So I did wind up making this to where I needed at least a plus 145 to be able to take a shot on the St. Louis Cardinals. We are getting north of that just across the market. So I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price with the St. Louis Cardinals, but the DK Nation pick, I set my total more around a 75 we're seeing it at an 8.5, so I'm going to be diving under on this one, and we are going to be taking a look at another team out there in the National League East that is having a good year. How about if we go 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board? The New York Mets, they're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off with the Cincinnati Reds as 
Now, one of the best names out there in baseball, David Peterson. My name is Greg Peterson, so I approve of that name. He is going to be going for the Mets and Graham Ashcraft. He is going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. We're mostly seeing nine and a half with regards to the total. I'm seeing a straight 10 here at Circa, but mostly nine and a half right now. And if you do like the Mets, you're going to be playing anywhere between minus 160 to a minus 170. Meanwhile, with the Reds, you're finding their plus price anywhere between a uh, plus 145, seeing a little bit north of plus 150 in a few spots as well. And when it comes to the Mets, you're finding their run line right in the neighborhood about even money right now at DraftKings. I'm seeing it at actually a plus 105. And if you're able to get that plus 105 price on the Mets, I'd be taking a look at that run line. I was willing to take pretty much any sort of plus, of a plus price I could get on the Mets because I do think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game with Graham Ashcraft. He's very much a pitch of contact guy. Now, to his credit, it's only given up right in the neighborhood about two walks per nine innings, but he is someone that he gives up a little bit under nine hits per nine innings, has been really having a rough go of it when it comes to just hard contact in general in his last few starts after, in my opinion, he was getting a little bit lucky to begin the season. Meanwhile, David Peterson has been something that's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up right around one home run per nine innings. And for David Peterson, he's actually been able to do a very solid job on the road as well, a sub 2-5 ERA whenever he's been away from New York. So that is a redeeming quality. Now, the reason why I do like this 9.5 over, I think that when you wind up getting to 10, it's a little bit too lofty, but this is a Reds bullpen that has been just absolutely deplorable recently. Now, credit where credit is due. They wound up pitching four and a third innings on Tuesday, and I believe that they wound up going scoreless in that one. So that really improved their bullpen ERA over the last 30 days because going into Tuesday, it was a bullpen ERA over the last 30 days of an 8.03. and has lowered all the way down to a sub-64. So they're within two points Actually, 2.04 points on ERA over the last 30 days of every other team in Major League Baseball. Next worst is the Chicago Cubs at a 560. So that tells you that things are not necessarily going well for the Reds. And they're just all banged up in terms of this pitching staff. I mean, when you're trotting out there, Mike Miner for starts every five days, you know that it's not necessarily going well for you. But on top of that, Alexis Diaz, who has arguably been their best bullpen piece this season, he's currently on the injured list. You have been able to get nothing whatsoever out of Someone like a Art Warren, who is now finding himself on the injured list. Ross Detweiler posting up right around about a 4-3 ERA. He's been one of their more trustworthy guys. And for the Mets, while it's not scorched earth for this team or anything like that, they've been able to do a not relatively solid job this season holding down the Fort now over the last 30 days. They're right around 22nd, 23rd in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, right around a 4-1-8. You're going to need a little bit more out of some of these guys, like a Jolie Rodriguez, Jason Shreve. They haven't necessarily been too terrific for this bunch, but with the Mets, you've got to figure that they're going to be able to bounce back after being shut out on Tuesday. Got a lot of guys able to get on base for this team, like you've got Pete Alonso, who's able to 275, along with Starling Marte at the top. You've got Marcana, who's been hitting in that neighborhood as well, and for Pete Alonso, led all the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road last season, and because with City Field, a little bit more pitcher-friendly, so it's a little bit of a tougher time getting bombs whenever he is at home rather than on the road, but top of that, it's a Cincinnati Reds team that they've been able to do a good job of being able to generate runs at home as well. They've cooled down a little bit more. They were on a streak in, I would say, like May into mid-June where they wound up scoring four-plus runs in 23 out of 25 home games. But still, it's been a bunch that they've been able to do a nice job of being able to supply the boom all season long. And that bears out in the fact that they're hitting nearly 35 to 40 points higher whenever they are at home rather than on the road. And 
Their home at road splits are just very stark. This is a Reds team that right now they are second in the league in terms of runs per game at home at right around 5.2. They average 3.4 runs per game on the road. Other than the Colorado Rockies, that is the biggest split that we are finding out there in the big leagues. And when it comes to David Peterson, I do think that he's going to be able to lend a relatively okay start here. I trust in him enough for the Mets to be able to get a multiple run win. I think that when you wind up getting up to 10 in this total, which we're starting to see at a couple of books, that might be a little bit too lofty. But if you're still seeing a 9.5 out there, which most books still have a 9.5, I'd be taking a look at an over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Mets on the run line. And we're going to be talking a little bit more baseball on the other side as Anthony DeBundo, he does an absolutely amazing job over there at the Action Network. Taking a look at the game of baseball and many other markets. He is going to be joining me next as it is Greg Hughes-Pierce and filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on The Look At on Beeson, Esports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Bank Gym Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or over terms and condition and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by Anthony DeBundo. He does absolutely amazing work over there at the Action Network. Takes a look at some college sports, but as we know, right now it is baseball season and he does an absolutely tremendous job of being able to take a look at America's pastime. And Anthony, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Good to be here, Greg. Great to be on with you as well. And you're a man that you've got the Philadelphia Eagles helmet in the background. You're a man that got some ties to the state of Pennsylvania. So how about if we wind up taking a look at a team that was able to cash as an underdog on Tuesday and they'll be looking to do it again on Wednesday, that would be the Pittsburgh Pirates. As a north of a, I would say, plus 160-ish underdog, actually been highly successful for you. It's going to be Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees, and Mitch Keller is going to be on the bump for the Pirates, and the Pirates a little bit north of a $2 underdog in a lot of spots. And should the Yankees be a favorite? I think that we're both in agreement, yes, there. But I personally feel like this is a number that has gotten a little bit too far out of whack. Pretty much $2 was my buy point on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not sure how you feel about this one, but... I think that this is another case in which the home underdog, it's just become too big of a plus price to pass on. 
Absolutely. And I think it's been a, a real trend for the Yankees over the last few weeks now. Everybody knows how good they are. Everybody knows they're winning 72% of their games. They're on pace to break records. So everybody wants to bet the Yankees. And so the number gets a little bit overinflated. And I think we're seeing that. We saw that the overnight number for Pittsburgh was close to two to one last night. And then it came down a little bit. I'm expecting similar situation for this game. Mitch Keller is actually probably better than Jose Quintana. He's Started to throw a sinker about two months ago at the end of May, and his last few starts have been pretty good. He gave up two runs against the Dodgers in five innings, uh, two runs to St. Louis in five innings, one run to the Giants, one earned run to the Giants in six innings, and then three runs to the Rays. He did get roughed up in his last outing, but Keller's been pretty good since he started to mix that sinker in. Severino's been excellent as well. I don't hate a look to the under, but overall, again, we play numbers here, and a two to one, it's hard to pass up on Pittsburgh at home, given the improvements that we've seen from Keller. They didn't you have to use a ton of the bullpen on Monday or on Tuesday either. They did have off Monday, so you would expect all of their top bullpen arms, Bedner especially, to be available for Pittsburgh if needed to close it down late. And so I'm going to take the Pirates at home here and take another shot after cashing on Tuesday night. Yep, I'm with you there. And when it comes to Mitch Keller as well, I think a little bit under the radar, something that's not going to show up on this on a spreadsheet or anything like that. They were actually planning to demote him to the bullpen. They wound up having him be pretty much coming in after an opener for one start, but out of necessity, they throw him back in the rotation. Might have been a little bit of a wake-up call that you want him needing there as well. And speaking of needing a wake-up call, the San Francisco Giants, who have lost six straight games. It's not necessarily going so great for them as they're going to be playing against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And for the Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly has always been relatively solid at home. He's going to be taking the bump, and we've already seen the action come in on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Open up in a lot of spots, right around about a plus 125 to a plus 130 underdog. Now we're finding a more around a plus 110 to a plus 115 on them, and the total on this game, 8.5. Arizona been one of the best underdog or best under teams at home in all of baseball this year. Where are you looking on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm following that trend, and I'm, I'm taking the under. Not necessarily because of the trend, but I do like both starting pitchers that we've got going in this game. Alex Cobb, if you're a believer in analytics or a believer in underlying metrics, and you know about the season that Alex Cobb has had. The Giants defense, he's been one of the unluckiest pitchers in all of baseball when it comes to batting average on balls in play, when it comes to stranding runners on base. And his underlying stuff is pretty good. I mean, his XERA is below three. His stuff plus number, his pitching plus number, above average. So he's getting good velocity, good shapes, good strikeout numbers, good walk numbers, everything you'd want a pitcher to do that he can control. Alex Cobb is doing it, and I think we saw in his last start against the White Sox, he didn't allow any runs in in five innings. That's the Alex Cobb we expect, not the one that's been getting babbipped and, and getting kind of screwed over by his defense. And so I'm I'm buying the Cobb resurgence here, second half of the season. I think if he continues to pitch this well, he's going to be one of the, uh, you know, the market's going to finally adjust to what, what really we've seen from Cobb. And Merrill Kelly has had a pretty solid season as well. He's not going to blow you away with his stuff, but he gets a lot of ground balls. He avoids barrels, avoids hard hits. And this Giants lineup, I think we're starting to see the limitations of what Kapler and, and what the platooning can really do. Last year, when everybody had seasons above and beyond their means at the same time, we saw that what that could lead to. But now we're seeing some regression here. Guys who they relied on heavily last year, not producing at the same level, injuries. And so this Giants lineup, I mean, you look at the bottom of the lineup, you know, Donovan Walton getting big, big playing time at the bottom of the lineup, not encouraging for the Giants. And I think we've started to see that offense come back down to earth a little bit as well. I'm taking the under eight and a half. I like it at minus 115. I wouldn't go too much higher. If it got to eight, I'd pass. But 
at eight and a half minus 115. Happy to play the under and trust these two pretty good starting pitchers. Yep, these two guys have been relatively solid and for Miller Kelly over the course of his career, right around 1.25 points lower on his ERA when he's at home rather than on the road. A little bit less demonstrative splits this season, but has always been a little bit better in Arizona. So I could see where you're coming from there. And we got a little bit more of a pick'em game on this one between the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox. Boy, it's not been a great year for Lance Lynn, but he's coming off, ironically enough, a good start against the San Francisco Giants. Meanwhile, Joe Ryan, he's going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Right now, depending upon where you look, you're going to be finding the Twins anywhere between about even money and minus 110, and the same goes for the San Francisco, or same goes for the Chicago White Sox with the total on this game right around 8.5. Where are you looking on this one? Because it is a White Sox team that a lot of people are expecting them to be able to have a little bit of a surge. It just hasn't come for them at this point. Yeah, I've been selling the White Sox surge all year. People keep telling me to wait for them to come back. Well, they've got almost their full lineup back. They had a pretty good matchup with Winder today, and they really couldn't get to him. And so I'm I'm continuing to sell this White Sox team overall. And one of the main reasons is starting pitching, which last year and coming into the season you would have said was a strength, Giolito, Lynn especially, it has not been. And a lot of that is Lynn, his fastball velocity is down. I mean, he sat 94-6. In 2019 and 2020 with his fastball, he was down to 94 last year. Thus far this year, he's closer to 92 and a half. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but that a mile and a half difference is quite a bit. And it puts him well below average for fastball velocity. And for a guy who likes to pound the strike zone with fastballs, that's a problem going up against a Minnesota lineup that continues to be, in my opinion, the most underrated in baseball. And they're getting healthier. Buxton playing more. Always a concern that they may sit him on these Wednesday early start, you know, getaway day type days. That's always a concern. So definitely watch out for Buxton, but Arise is hitting Correa. And now they've got Alex Kirilov back hitting two homers last night. So you're starting to see Minnesota's strength and depth in lineup. I think they've got a big edge in terms of the lineup. And I love Joe Ryan, 3.5 XERA. Doesn't have dominant stuff, but misses a lot of bats and can get some chases. And the White Sox do chase quite a bit. So I love the Twins here. Again, a little concerned about Buxton. They may just sit him, but I think this Twins lineup is deep enough to manage to get by without him. And then just going with the Lance Lynn theme here, how do you wind up gauging some of these guys that they start out the year on the injured list because I always like to fade them and start number one, and based on how they look and start number one, you just continue to be either raising your value on them. If they wind up having a good start, you wind up improving it. If they have a bad start, you continue to fade. I'm not sure if you wind up taking a little bit of a similar approach, but when it comes to guys coming off the injured list, I really don't have a lot of faith in them starting out with. And with Lance Lynn, with what we've seen in four starts, still don't have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, it really depends on the the injury and the pitcher and the age. It's something we talked about on our Action Network podcast, uh, Payoff Pitch. We said, you know, it depends kind of on how much the you trust the pitchers. You know, when Max Scherzer's coming off injury, I feel pretty confident in what I'm going to get from him. Whereas, you know, with Nick Lodolo being a youngster and a rookie, you don't really know, you know, how much he how much he's really ready. And so I think it, it depends on a case-by-case basis. For Lynn, it's really about the fastball velocity, and it, the fact that it was down is a concern. And that's really the one thing you have to track with him. Same thing with, with Shane Bieber coming off his injury. And so it really depends. If the fastball is not moving or not, you know, going as fast, the hitters are going to be able to get to it. Same thing with breaking balls. If they're not getting as much break, hitters will will catch on to that and you'll you'll notice it in the runs pretty pretty quickly. Yep, I do think that that's such a good point that you do bring up as well. And I mean, for Max Scherzer, he did his part. Problem was, 
the offense scored as many runs as the two of us. And when that winds up happening, hard to win games that way. And Anthony, we've got about 45 seconds left. I know you've got something on this Guardians and Tigers game as well. Talk to me about this one with the Tigers finding themselves in a lot of places right around a plus 135, plus 140 underdog. Yeah, Guardians looking to avoid the sweep. They might get four games swept by the Tigers, would be pretty ugly. Uh, they do have their ace on the mound, Shane Bieber, although I'm skeptical that he's truly still an ace. He's throwing this slider a lot more. I think it's to cover for the fact that his fastball just isn't what it was and his curveball isn't what it was. And his XERA is up over four now. His home run fly ball rate suggests there's a lot of homers coming. And I think Detroit's got some juice. You know, Riley Green coming into the lineup has provided a spark at the top. He's hitting really well, and they're looking like a competent offense the last few days. So give me the Tigers plus 150 at home. I love it. And Anthony doing great work over there at the Action Network. Great to be able to get him aboard on the look at tonight. And coming up next, got to dive into what we've seen in the NBA the last few days right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For just $19, you'll get everything that VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's MLB daily best bets. On top of that, you get NFL preseason coverage and premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which includes daily best bets every single edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and live video streaming costs is just $19 be a subscriber now until the end of July and you're able to sign up at vsun.com slash summer as it is a look at with myself Greg Peterson great to be able to get Anthony DeBundo on the show he does a great job over there at the Action Network and does a great job of being able to provide some insight on the game that we all know and love of baseball so big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment and now I take a look at what we're seeing in terms of the NBA right now because futures market has been relatively stagnant with regards to a lot of these teams right now you're still finding the Celtics in a lot of places right around a plus 550. We're sort of in hold mode right now because we're waiting to see what winds up happening with Kevin Durant. If he winds up getting moved before the end, or before the end of, shall we say, the offseason, and you could wind up seeing him get traded. And at the same time, you might not wind up having much of anything whatsoever happening with that. So makes it pretty much a little bit of a horse apiece situation. But we did wind up seeing a lot of movement with regards to rookie of the year because Summer League is starting up out here in lovely Las Vegas. It's something that I've attended quite a bit. It's actually a whole lot of fun to be able to take a look at Summer League. You get a relatively cheap price. And back when I wound up going, you could go to every single game, be able to observe the stars of tomorrow, which is always a very good time. But you have it for California, Utah, and now Las Vegas. They used to have one for Orlando, too. I think that they wound up doing away with that. If I'm mistaken, let me know. At GNNRSquirty1 on Twitter. But... I think that the Orlando Summer League is no longer a thing, but we wound up seeing a pretty monstrous performance from one gentleman in Chet Holmgren in his debut with the Oklahoma City Thunder. He wound up going out there, wound up putting up 26 points, wound up having seven rebounds and six blocks against a bunch for the Utah Jazz. And we're going to read off the names here of the Utah Jazz Summer League just to give you guys a little bit of perspective. Jared Butler, Xavier Sneed, Vic Law, Kofi Coburn, along with Caleb Holmesley, Taco Fall, Justin Robinson, Jonathan Williams, and Jordan Usher are the guys that wound up playing in this game. You did not wind up getting to see DJ turn it up. Funderburk, 
Looks like Johnny Juzang is dealing with a little bit of an injury. And for one, whenever you get summer league, for those of you guys that, that are like me that love college basketball, just being able to go down the good old yesteryear sort of memory lane and be like, man, this would have been a great college basketball team. I mean, if you could team up Chet Holmgren and Jeremiah Robinson Earl in the same front court, man, that would be great. Oh, we could wind up getting someone like a Jalen Williams playing with Jalen Williams. I mean, who wouldn't absolutely love that? So I always love that about Summer League personally, just on a little bit of a memento note. But that said, Chet Holmgren, very good performance once again. Not necessarily against the world's greatest competition. And when it comes to a lot of these summer league games, they give you a pretty much an unlimited amount of fouls. I think that you need to follow out after like 10 or something like that. But we now wind up seeing Chet Holmgren, who in a lot of places was in like your top five in terms of the futures market, but was a little bit further back. Now he's right there with Jabari Smith at the number two spot with regards to odds to be able to win rookie of the year right now at DraftKings at 4-1. to And I know that there are a couple other places that Actually, now I have Chet Holmgren as the betting favorite for Rookie of the Year, and this is the time of year which we are seeing a lot of hype and a lot of noise with regards to a lot of these markets. It's not just exclusive to the futures market in the NFL and the NBA, which obviously that's the biggest one because everyone's trying to examine, oh, are the LA Lakers actually going to get Kyrie Irving, and how many games can they wind up losing with Kyrie Irving? Because we all know that the Lakers situation, that's not necessarily too tremendous. And if the Lakers do wind up getting Kyrie Irving, they'll go from overpriced without Kyrie Irving to overpriced with Kyrie Irving. So that's just absolutely tremendous right there. But when it comes to Rookie of the Year awards, you don't want to be taking too much from Summer League. I mean, I just still remember some of these guys that they wanted going out and they had some big Summer League results. And some of them wanted to boost it, booming. Like Nate Robinson, back in the day, he was able to have a good summer league, and you know what? It turned out to be a relatively solid career for him. Other guys, they wind up just sort of fizzling, and they don't wind up giving you too much whatsoever, but it's just really hard to be able to gauge what you're going to be able to get moving forward out of a lot of these summer league games because these are mostly younger guys and or guys that they've sort of been bouncing around for quite a while, and they're just looking for some sort of a home because it used to be exclusively for first and second year guys. Now you're able to have more than just first and second year guys. Like for instance, taco ball is someone that I think he's in your number three. It might be your number four because I still remember him from that Duke central Florida NCAA tournament matchup against Zion Williamson. So I think that that's year number. That actually might be your number four because Zion Williamson, he just wound up getting paid and he wound up getting paid in a big way after not playing a single game last season. So that's how you wind up remembering that. Like Vic Law, I remember him a couple years ago from Northwestern. But that said, you're not necessarily going up against guys that you're going to be seeing any given night out there in the NBA. Like Chet Holmgren going up against someone like a Kofi Coburn, for example. Yeah, Kofi Coburn at Illinois. He was awesome. Kofi Coburn in the NBA is probably going to wind up getting destroyed. And when Kofi Coburn winds up having to go up against that front court of, say, Rudy Gobert, along with, yep, the former Utah Jazz player that wound up just getting traded, along with Carl Anthony Towns, probably not going to be such a good run there. So I think that just perspective on all this is important, and many of us know this as betters. A lot of people out there just, in normal life in general, it's not even just sports, it's not only just sports betting, in so many things, it's either the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. You end up going to a restaurant 
Very rarely is someone going to tell you, you know what, it's okay. The portobello french fries, something like that. You know what, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it about a 6.5 to a 7. You ask your friends about it, and it's either, this is the greatest thing I ever ate, or this is just absolute trash. I would not feed it to insert pet animal here, things like that. It's on one end of the spectrum or the other, and we're noticing it right now in so many of these futures markets. I mean, anyone that winds up getting traded to a new location, you're going to be finding that. It's either, oh, this is an absolutely amazing trade for this team, and Team X wound up getting fleeced, or, oh, this guy is just not a good fit here. We are going to be expecting absolutely nothing out of them whatsoever instead of being like, yeah, you know what, Chet Holmgren, he wound up having a relatively nice night, but he was also going up against Kofi Coburn, Vic Law, and Xavier Sneed. So I always think that that's important to take a look at in terms of perspective. And I mean, one thing that does wind up helping out Chet Holmgren, and I don't think that it's necessarily the worst bet in the world to take a look at him at, at some odds to be able to win Rookie of the Year because and who else is going to be getting minutes for the Oklahoma City Thunder? This is a big, giant rebuild. They've got picks to be able to last for an eternity and a half, and they really don't have any guys on the roster. So, you know what? They're going to be looking to build the process, much like they wanted doing with the Philadelphia 76ers many, many years ago. But I think that it's just an instance in which you want to be seeing Chet Holmgren just go up against actual competition first, and when it winds up getting to the regular season as well. Y'all remember Chris DeWarte and the first couple games that he wound up having for the Indiana Pacers. I know that there were some books that they wound up having Chris DeWarte for his odds to be able to win Rookie of the Year north of 75-1. to There were a lot of places that had him as high as 100-1. to I think that there were a couple places that had him as low as 50-1. to He winds up coming out as a couple good games because he was one of the oldest rookies to ever come into the NBA. He had played at Oregon for a few years. He was playing, actually, at the junior college level as well. So I was like a 24, 25-year-old guy. He's entering into the same NBA as, say, a bunch of 19, 20-year-old guys. So I knew it would make sense that you probably have a little bit of a running start as opposed to some of these younger guys. And then, you know what? If you want to placing that value when you want up going down to right around 10 to 1, 12 to 1 after like five good games, it wound up becoming just pretty much a dead ticket from there. So I do always encourage you to not look at the flavor of the week and fire it in in terms of the futures market. I mean, even take a look at the MOB, what's topical right now. Stephen Kwan, his odds to be able to win American League Rookie of the Year. Having a very good rookie year. I mean, 350 on base, 280 batting average, part of a Guardians team that has been able to overachieve to a little bit of an extent thus far this season, but he's not knocking off Julio Rodriguez for Rookie of the Year as well. So don't wind up getting enamored by what you wind up seeing last, what everyone is buzzing about on social media the next day. Rather, wind up taking a look at things as a whole, take a look at just what these guys wind up doing in college in general, take a look at the fit. And once again, I'm not saying that betting on Chet Holmgren to win Rookie of the Year is the worst thing ever. I could easily see him being able to win this award. I think that he's going to be in for a relatively solid NBA career. I know that there are a lot of people that are saying that he needs to add a little bit of muscle to his frame. I think that he could afford to eat a cheeseburger or two and not wind up having to run five miles afterwards to be able to burn it off. But I do think that he's going to be able to have a relatively Rookie of the Year. Don't just wind up getting sucked into this vortex of seeing one guy wind up having one summer league game, though, and wind up just firing in on all their futures at a much worse mark 
much worse number than you could have gotten a little bit earlier in the market. So that's my little bit of a spiel there. And coming up next, we are going to be joined by Ryan Kramer. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And it's on the other side right here on the Lookout on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon. You compete for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools. Fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to be able to join in on the action. Blue Moon, made brighter 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And great to be joined by our guest. This man does an absolutely amazing job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network as he does a wide variety of things over there for them. As it is, Ryan Kramer, you're able to follow him on Twitter at KramerCentric. Felt like his last name with a K at the front of it. And Ryan, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you joining me. And I know that you're doing a great job getting set for the NFL season. That is indicative of the fact that you've got the Giants jerseys behind you. I absolutely love it. And I know that one market that you're taking a look at, which I always find to be one of the more intriguing and one of the harder to gauge markets, that would be the comeback player of the year market. Because obviously you always have the question of, what winds up constituting a little bit of a comeback season for a guy, but what are you taking a look at it? How do you just wind up being able to gauge this market in general coming into the season? Well, you nailed it. It's a narrative market. And and when you start off and you look at the very top of the board, Derrick Henry's the favorite. He already came back. He played in the playoffs. Doesn't that get him removed from this list? And so, yeah, I think it's a fun market, especially in the off season. We're still, you know, training camp is a couple weeks away. And I think you can still get ahead of some of the areas where there's an obvious narrative advantage. And, you know, you mentioned the Giants jerseys behind me, but look no further than Daniel Jones. Yes, he checks the box of being injured. He had a neck injury. They shut him down. Question it, you may. He was still hurt. He's coming back. Well, so what's the difference? Well, it's a whole new offense, a whole new coach. There's optimism. They're going to be using modern concepts in the offense. So right there, everything is getting so much better for Daniel Jones sitting at eight to one in the comeback player of the, uh, the year award. And then sprinkle in the fact that, Oh, by the way, he's in New York, the media, 
is going to want to fall in love with this guy if he starts putting up something that resembles a professional quarterback in the National Football League. So when I look around the board, honestly, you you, you want to find a quarterback that's usually the way you get the job done uh, or a tremendous offensive performance. So I'm going to look no further than the guy who's getting a new play caller, getting a new offense, upgrading from Jason Garrett, and you know potentially can create a narrative that the New York media is going to be hard to ignore. Yep, I do think that it's interesting to take a look at as Jameis Winston. He's at plus 550, which that sort of is the one that wanted coming to mind for me as well. And also Michael Thomas is 7-1 because with the Saints, I think that they're an intriguing team coming into the season because with Jameis Winston, he did look quite a bit better under that New Orleans style. But as we know, they wind up having a coaching change. And when you wind up getting rid of Sean Payton, unless if you wind up having won the absolute legends of the game winding up walking through that door. It's going to be a little bit of a downgrade, and I do think that that's interesting to look, take a look at for just a wide variety of things. This market that we're talking about right now with comeback player of the year, but also New Orleans Saints win totals. Just can the New Orleans Saints make a little bit of noise out there in that division and in the NFC as a whole? I think that they're one of the biggest question marks because I feel like this could be a little bit of a boomer bust team this season because the defense is there. We have question marks with regards to the offense and health as well. Uh, not not only that, but I think, you know, you mentioned it right away. Sean Payton, an absolute stud of a coach. He's been around stability in the organization. Going to be the first time since 2012 when he was suspended that he won't be there week one. Everyone's talking about, okay, they're bringing in the defensive coordinator. The defense has been good. They weren't that good for Dennis Allen's tenure down there in New Orleans. So I'm a little concerned. I like your angle with Jameis Winston. I would raise you an opportunity to take him at 80 to one in the few in the MVP market, because I think if things fall well for him, that's a much more appealing bet than snagging him at the top of the market for comeback player. That being said, you mentioned other fun ways to, to, to dabble with the saints. I actually think the uncertainty of the new coach, the uncertainty of what this offense could look like. Michael Thomas, is he in the building? He's taking pictures. He's posting them on Instagram, but they're 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 going into week one against a hated rival. They literally call it hate week and they're five point road favorites against the Falcons who actually have a little continuity. You might say, Hey, they have a rookie quarterback or Marcus Mariota. Mariota was handpicked by Arthur Smith to come in, hopefully bridge the gap maybe to Ritter, but at least know the offense and execute efficiently. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm maybe on the other side of the coin when it comes to the saints, I think the instability of losing Peyton is worth a little bit more than the odds makers are giving them credit for. Yep. And I don't blame you there because we see how much a coach is worth to some of these teams because the Pittsburgh Steelers year in and year out, they just wind up winning games under Mike Tomlin. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year though, because, and you want to talk about a little bit of instability at the quarterback spot, losing Ben Roethlisberger, who call it what it is. It wasn't the same Ben Roethlisberger that we wound up coming to know and love when the Steelers were going to the Super Bowl in the early to mid 2000s. Now it is going to be a case of which you're going to have a little bit of a passing of the torch there. I think that they're one of the most intriguing teams in the market because you still have Mike Tomlin. You wind up bringing back Najee Harris after he wound up having a year one in which the yards per rush weren't necessarily too terrific, but you could tell that he was getting a little bit better as the season went along. That's a team that I think is going to be a little bit hard to figure out as well in an NFC in an NFC North that, as we know, the Browns, it's looking worse and worse for them by the day. 
Uh, they're ten to one to win the division still, and I understand the Ravens look absolutely like uh, could be a contender. I understand the case for the Browns, although as you mentioned, like throw them out for me. I'm not looking to get invested in that position. And then you have the Bengals, who, uh, you know, some might argue they rode a, a wave of, of variance to to a Super Bowl loss. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, specifically, Mike Tomlin got to 500 or better every year. And he did it with quarterbacks like Mason Rudolph and duck Hodges. I think uh, I saw Warren Sharp put out a nugget that the Pittsburgh Steelers have invested the, the smallest amount of money in the NFL in the offense next year. And they have the largest amount of money invested in the defense. You're telling me a Mike Tomlin led team is not going to go out there, play good defense, run the ball a little bit. And like you said, maybe it wasn't the most efficient Najee Harris, but that's a recipe for a winning enough games to get in the playoffs. Mike Tomlin knows how to do that. And B, I think they are going to flirt with the division. So I think they're being disrespected. I was on this, uh, these airwaves last week with Scott saying that Mike Tomlin at 30 to one is an absolutely fabulous coach of the year candidate, because again, no one's expecting anything from this team. And Oh, by the way, they might just have the best defense in the NFL. Yep. That defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what they're always known for the good old steel curtain. So getting back to their roots there and Obviously, they aren't going to have a player that is going to be necessarily up there for the MVP award, unless if Mr. Watt winds up going out there and winds up having like 30 sacks or something like that. But I know that you've been taking a look at the MVP market as well. You just threw out there the nugget of Jameis Winston at 81. Obviously, that's a little bit more of a long shot right there. But how are you gauging this market? Because you do have quite a few quarterbacks that obviously are going to be finding their way towards the top. No non-quarterback has won that ever since we wound up seeing Adrian Peterson many years ago be able to do so. But I think that this is a fascinating one as well because you've got a bunch of young and up-and-coming quarterbacks. Meanwhile, you've got the tried and two veterans like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers towards the top of this as well. It is hard because uh, when you when you look at Josh Allen, Matt Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, it, it's not only a great golf match, but it's a <laughs> a, tr it's a tricky slate of MVP candidates to get past on the board. But for me, I'm going to keep going down that board because as much as I love Justin Herbert and he's probably my stone cold lock of like guys I like there at ten to one, I'm going to go down the board to Lamar Jackson at twenty to one. Lamar Jackson is a guy we know what he can do. We know what he can do on the ground. We know what he's done through the air, throwing for as many as 36 touchdowns a couple of years ago, down to 16 last year. We expect that to regress. We expect the offense to be back. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, the rushing attack should be healthier. I see no reason why Lamar Jackson can't get back to his, you know, mediocre passing ways and, and back to his dominant uh, ground ways and absolutely put up the kind of numbers that's going to make it very difficult to at a minimum be staring at a Lamar Jackson 20 to one price eight weeks into the season and not seeing a potential sell value in a secondary market. The other guy I like even further down the board is Derek Carr, Derek Carr, back to my narrative angles, Derek Carr is in a division where if he manages to pull this off with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, <laughs> in that division against all of those quarterbacks. I mean, think about it. He's fourth favorite in his own division to win the most valuable player. So at 28 to one, Derek Carr is very intriguing to me. A lot of narrative. He's never thrown for 30 touchdowns. Well, he brought in one of the great, the best receivers in the league and his college teammate, Devonte Adams. So I like this Raiders team as being a little bit of a dark horse. They're going to have to be in shootouts. And honestly, if he can get those counting stats up, I do, I do believe that if they're sitting near the top of the division at the end of the year, he's going to be in the conversation. And that AFC West is one of the most loaded divisions I have ever seen in my life. We were talking about the NFC West 
last season how good it is. That's going to be a solid division once again, but the AFC, boy, oh boy, that's going to be great. And Ryan, I know that you're doing a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, getting set for the NFL season. It was great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Greg, and best of luck. Ryan doing an absolutely terrific job taking a look at the NFL, and that's going to be great to take a look at moving forward. But what we've got on Wednesday, lots of baseball. We're going to dive into that next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare <laughs>